The top of the news tonight, is Iron Man's scheduled battle with the Titanium Man on television, to prove which nation's armored hero is superior. Although, of course, both of them pale before the might and glory of Lord Doom. In New York City, the Absorbing Man has been seen in conflict with Thor, resulting in the destruction of a bank vault, and quite a few plate glass windows. It is currently unknown what connection, if any, their activities have to the crime wave currently sweeping the city, which seems to be conducted largely by men in animal costumes, including cats, birds, frogs, apes and scorpions. The monster known as the Hulk is believed dead, after his cave hideout has been bombed by American armed forces. And the Hulk, Thor, and Iron Man's former organization, the Avengers, has been ordered to disband in the wake of widespread destruction of property and endangerment of citizens. This is Doombot WL20 for the VOL. Zero, one, four. This is, the voice of Latvia. Zero, one, four. Here in Latveria, we get news from all over the world. The news may be good, or bad, but we will always tell you the truth, as Lord Doom sees it. Every week on The Voice of Latveria, we examine Marvel Comics history, through the career of its greatest hero, Dr. Victor Von Doom. And now, here's your host, Douglas Walk, the man who has read every Marvel superhero comic book, and lived to tell us all about it. Thank you, Doombot BR25. My guest this week is Chelsea Gaia, the co-host of Experience, a Career Stories podcast. She's also, as you'll hear, had years of experience photographing weddings, which is pretty much what the issues we're discussing today are about. Chelsea, it's great to have you here as this week's guest expert. You're the expert. I'm a dabbler. We're both experts. Nope. Not an expert. (laughs) Uh, You have experience as a wedding photographer. Oh, yes. Therefore, you're an expert. There we go. I can tell you about weddings, for sure. And you knew off the top of your head, like, oh yeah, the wedding, that's the one with the emotion, the emotion gun, right? The emotion charger. The emotion charger, yeah. Which is totally not necessary. There's nobody who's blah on a wedding day. You're going to get the best and the worst of people. So I don't know, you know, who. And the other thing about that, you know, like, how could he control who would react badly to that message? You know, like... What about it made sure that it was only the people who hate the Fantastic Four came after them? <laughs> That's a difficult situation. In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll address that in the course of this. But okay. uh, for, for the benefit of our listeners, we're talking today about a handful of Dr. Doom-related stories that are all set around Reed Richards and Sue Storm's wedding, which was in Fantastic Four Annual Number 3. And before that, just before the wedding, Doom puts in a little three-page appearance in Fantastic Four 43. In his last clash with the Fantastic Four, Doom grappled mano a mano with the Thing, who crushed his hands Mm -hmm. inside his armor. And he's getting over that. And we see in FF 43 just a few panels where Doom is acknowledging that his hands will probably be healed within a couple days, he should be able to use them normally again, Uh, but he says, I shall have my revenge. As soon as my hands are healed, I'll be able to operate my emotion changer ray, the one thing that can destroy my accursed enemies. And there's a little footnote pointing us toward annual number three, which went on sale right after that. This is mid-60s. This is full-on Swain 60s. 
we don't see very much of Doom in the story, but we do see him on the first page with his face masked behind a newspaper. It's an issue of the Daily Press, which I don't know if that's a newspaper that we've established as being in Marvel New York. We have the Daily Bugle, you know, there's, there's some others, but it's the Daily Press. And he's just holding up the newspaper that says, today's the day, wedding bells for Reed and Sue. This weirdly looks like the newspapers that were drawn by Wally Wood in Daredevil just before this. I had the same thought when I was reading it recently. I'm like, wait a minute. And I did the same thing. I'm like, is Daily Press a thing in this universe yet? <laughs> I, I guess Marvel Universe has a lot of daily newspapers in New York. Sure, yeah. Wally Wood uh, made that famous list of 22 panels that always work, and one of them was newspaper headline. So there were a lot of newspaper headlines in his Daredevil, yeah. which was right before that. And Wood had actually collaborated with Kirby on FF uh, a couple issues before this when Daredevil had appeared. He'd gone in and inked the Daredevil figures. Um, last week's episode, I think we talked to Jeet here about. This brings us up to the wedding day. and He's crumpling up the newspaper in his hands and you know, saying, Reed Richards is the only man in the world ever to defeat me getting married today. This is my greatest chance for revenge now when he least expected. He's ripping up this newspaper, tearing it to shreds. Jack Kirby's original art for that page had a marginal note saying, tearing up the newspaper hurts Doom's hands. That's good. That would make sense. It does. There's no mention of it in the script. Mm -mm. Stanley just kind of wrote that out, but yeah, he's had his hands damaged recently, and that's got to hurt. So he explains that uh, he's going to attack them with his emotion charger, which will, quote, Fan the flames of hatred in the heart of every evil menace in existence. I shall transform their wedding day into the day of their final dis destruction. I mean, some some couples do that just fine on their own, honestly. <laughs> you know, I've seen that happen. But, you know, he's he's got he's got some issues, so... Now, in your experience as a wedding <laughs> photographer, have you had... Have there been cases of somebody else coming in to kind of undermine a wedding? Oh yeah, it happens all the time. Usually it's the parents of one, either the bride or the groom. My partner and I, who's also my co-host on Experience of Career Stories podcast, we had a canned, we called it the pep talk, that we would have to give to at least one person at every wedding. And the pep talk went like this. Look, today is not about you at all. Not even a little bit. There's nothing about today that is about you. So you can just take all those feelings that you're having about yourself or the bride or groom or whatever, and you can put them in this little box here. And we'd break out a little box that usually had cigarettes or weed or little alcohol bottles. And we'd be like, we'll trade you. We'll trade you. You put all your feelings about yourself and what you're having right in this box. And you take one of these goodies and we're not going to make it about ourselves today. Okay. Okay. So at this point, I would probably offer the pep talk in the goodie box to Dr. Doom, but I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, he's not actually showing up for the wedding. No. That's the problem. He, he's he's uh, operating his emotion charger from distance. Then we go into this phase where we start seeing every character who's really had any sort of presence at all in Marvel Universe in the four or five years up to this point turns up. Tony Stark turns up in his top hat. Yeah, he's wearing a top hat. He's a Monopoly man. <laughs> he totally is. Uh, Patsy and Heedy turn up. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that they have ever appeared in the superhero comics. 
Patsy Walker and later Hellcat yeah. and uh, her friend Heidi, but they, they turn up for a panel. They're they're looking for Millie the model. They can't see Millie the model, but they're 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 looking for him. They're in Puppet the crowd outside of the uh, outside of the Baxter Building, which is where the wedding's being held. Yeah. Yeah, they're having their wedding in the same building where they live. Yeah. I mean, it probably saves on fees for the the location. Who knows? I mean, it, it, it. I assume they have a ballroom or something. So why not? So the puppet master is there. The X Men show up. The Mole Man shows up. The Mole Man fights the X Men. Uh, the Thing is wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> Who does tuxedo fittings for eight hundred pound superheroes? Anyone? I, I would think any tailor would take that job because think about that exposure. You know, if true, if they true. didn't, if they had a few minutes to have a proper red carpet, you know, before all hell broke loose, I think any designer would, you know, everyone would be like, "Hey, thing, what do you, who are you wearing?" Any designer would be proud of that, honest, because he looked good. That's a nice look on him. It's nice do navy blue, double breasted with the black, the black collar there, the black lapels. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, pinstriped uh, gray gray slacks. It's not the best match, but you know, it's it's somebody's piece de resistance. I mean, if a designer had done it for him, he would have matching slacks, but he probably just made do with what he had available. It's kind of hard to find like size <laughs> 75 or whatever. Yeah. It is he, he wears. Uh, Daredevil shows up, the Avengers, Captain America is there. So what is up with uh, Sue's bridal outfit? You know, it's very 60s. It, it was... I gotta back up here. First of all, I like Jack okay. Kirby. He he was a great artist, and he was okay. also super hot. And okay. um, Roz uh, liked a good mermaid silhouette. Roz wore some nice silhouetted stuff. If you look at pictures of uh, of them together, but also on their wedding day, but even just casually, she liked a good tailored jacket nipped at the waist and a good pencil skirt. And sometimes she would wear a mermaid silhouetted dress. And that's what Sue's wearing. She's wearing uh, a nice fitted jacket. She's got a hat with a veil, which was very on par for the mid-60s. I'm going to say Roz probably advised on that outfit. And it was it was pretty good for right, right then. I think any young girl reading that comic would have been inspired by Sue's dress personally. Most of this issue is taken up by giant fight scene everybody against everybody else all hell it's breaks just loose. the legions of atuma rise out of the water <laughs> because the emotion ray has affected them it doesn't reach the submariner there's a footnote saying like oh he's uh he was busy somewhere else yeah. he tells to astonish 72 he's he's taken care of for the same reason the hulk doesn't show up because he's off being kidnapped someplace yeah. he's also it's often, too deep tells, they're tells too to deep down in the water and the earth for it to reach them basically and if you read these upcoming issues you will know why as everything is going completely insane the uh invasion force of atuma is pulled back down by a vortex thanks to i think is it is it daredevil who is driving the tr- yes daredevil is somehow driving a truck with a nuke on board well yeah that's a hydra truck some hydra agents were hit with that emotion ray they were coming right. out and coming to the baxter building with nukes or something on the truck and uh i believe daredevil and uh who is helping him out Daredevil had someone hanging out, helping him out. They took that truck over, and I think he he drove it into the Hudson, didn't he? 
How does Daredevil drive? Daredevil is blind. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that doesn't stop him from doing anything else, Douglas. Uh, you, 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 you could say, like, you know, his radar sense, but the truck is drawn very clearly as having a windshield. <laughs> Like, you assume that, like, his radar is not going to get past the windshield. He's just kind of, he somehow manages to drive it off a pier and jump clear before the explosion. It looks here like Jack Kirby drew an explosion taking out all of Manhattan. Yeah, it looks like a straight-up, like, uh, atomic halo is what's going on. Yeah, uh, of course... Lee manages to soften this with his caption, as Daredevil prophesized, no one is harmed, except the vast invasion force of a thunderstruck Atuma. At this point, the Watcher turns up. You know, okay, this cracked me up, because up to this point, I mean, it starts out pretty normal, everyone's excited about this wedding, it's a real Kate and William vibe. You know, this, they're, they're, they're New York socialites as well as superheroes. Everyone In the Marvel world, everyone knows pretty much who everyone is, so they get to have that celebrity status. Um, right. So there's, like, that excitement, and then pretty quickly, Von Doom's villains, the people who that emotion ray have hit, start, they, they kind of start trickling and turning up, and, like, trouble starts happening. And you, you're, you're like, okay, he, here we go. And then it just gets crazy. It's it's pulling everybody in, every villain they can think of, every like superhero they've got in the universe, which is what annuals really are for. Um, it's, right. it's a yearbook. It just cracked me up when the Watcher shows up, because yeah. I'm just like, really, it's a wedding, you know? Like, <laughs> what? He must be bored. He must be bored if he was getting ready to watch this wedding and stuff keeps getting in the way. And to the Watcher, all of this must just seem like ads. You know, like, let's just get rid of these pop-ups. So he, what does he do? He shows up and he intervenes, even though his whole thing is like, I, you know, I I shouldn't intervene. I can't, like, I can't be part of this. I'm celestial. You know, I shouldn't get involved. <laughs> he has one job and he never, ever does it. No, he just can't stay out of it. <laughs> Absolutely can't stay out of it. He, he pays lip service to it. He's like, well... I can't actually do anything. If you follow me, you might find something useful here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, like, we can't do this here, okay? And I'm not saying I'm getting involved. I'm not getting involved. Who's who's saying I'm getting involved? Not me. Not me. But if you just come into this other room with me real quick, whoop, we're in a pocket dimension. The, the other room, yes, the fourth dimension. The published photo of a journey through the fourth dimension. It's a Jack Kirby collage. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> you got to read the caption on that. Yes. Instead of taking the easy way out with the simple exaggerated drawing, we now present the published photo of a journey through the fourth dimension for the benefit of the science buffs among you. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> amazing. And... He takes him. He takes Reed to his home in the blue area of the moon, and he's, once again, he's like, "So I can't do anything here. Have fun." Yeah, he's in this Good room it, with all of these yeah. um, tools and weapons and whatever, and he's just like, "Look, I'm not. Look, I, I can't help. I'm not. I'm not intervening. I can't help you. We just ended up here, but like, if one of these feels." Like, it could be helpful to you. I might just be looking the other way when you take it. 
maybe you know just i'm just saying but i'm not this is what this is what you say when you're the host of an escape room and (laughs) people are just not figuring out the next clue Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah warmer (laughs) so he finds this beautiful piece of kirby tech that's called a subatronic time displacer Mm -hmm. which transports everybody back to the immediate past where quote they'll return to where they were before they attacked with no memory of what has happened since now one of them is kang kang mm-hmm. the conqueror kang the conqueror lives in the future i know How and you've got the red Dr. ghost there too and he's not really affected by that stuff either somehow this machine like returns everybody to where they are and on the final page we get the wedding Looks like uh, Ben Grimm has now stripped down to his little blue briefs. Do people tend to take their clothes off a lot at weddings? You would be shocked, but yes. Yeah. Yep. Shoes come off immediately after the ceremony. Has, has this happened at weddings that you've... Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. And really, but... culturally, you know, it could be a thing, too. I mean, and by culturally, I mean a lot of redneck weddings, people just start taking their clothes off immediately. <laughs> So they're playing Oh Promise Me. Is, is that a song that's even used for weddings anymore? I don't think so. I don't even know how that song goes. No, I don't know. I don't know how it goes. Me either. Finally, uh, Gabe from the Howling Commandos who, uh, go, comes and advises Nick Fury that there's some w- wedding crashers outside. It's Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yeah. They've been giving the guards a hard time. <laughs> I love it. That's my favorite part of the now, whole book. They, they know Reed and Sue. They're tight with them. They have story conferences with them once a month. It's been established. They've turned up in Fantastic Four at this point. Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four go and visit Marvel Comics office once a month to let them know what they've been up to so that Marvel can publish the comic about it. Yeah. Well, uh, they had to tighten up and security. And they didn't get an invitation. I wondered about that. I'm yeah, like, why the uh, hell wouldn't they have invited them? What happens as a result of the subatronic time displacer is that... Not only is everybody returned to where they were before this whole story started, but nobody has any memory that the whole giant fight even happened in the first right, place. Right, including Dr. Doom. Undone. Because he... Including Dr. Yeah. Doom. Nobody remembers it. Now, one comic that uh, made a reference to this was uh, an issue of Kirk Music and Alex Ross's Marvels, where Phil, who's the narrator of that series is one of the photographers who is assigned to take pictures of this wedding and he says like you know we all expected that this might be a day when all their old enemies might show up there might be some kind of huge imbroglio or fight but honestly it was fine it went off without a hitch Mm -hmm. everyone was surprised the second comic to come back to this particular day was heroes and legends 1996. this was an incredibly strange thing. There were two Heroes and Legends specials. There was one ninety six and one ninety seven. The nineteen ninety six one was one of the final comics that Stan Lee scripted at Marvel. Yes. It is a rewrite of Fantastic Four Annual Number Three. Mm-hmm. Curiously, neither Stan nor Jack gets credit for plotting it. It is plotted by Fabian Nicieza. Yeah. It is scripted by Stan Lee, and the art is by Sal and John Buscema, John Romita Sr., Steve Ditko, Gene Colan, Marie Severin, all of whom worked at Marvel in the 60s, and Ron Friends, who imitates Jack Kirby well enough that yeah, yeah. he's kind of filling mm-hmm. in. It is 32 pages of what's going on across the Marvel Universe 
during this story, everybody who's in the original story shows up to the first page. This time, it's Dr. Doom holding up a copy of the Daily Bugle instead. There we go. He's getting multiple newspapers to rip up. The it's Daily Bugle has story, the same man. headline that we saw earlier. It, it is. It is. Uh, but it's just great big fight scene, with the exception that Dr. Doom actually shows up to menace Sue and Alicia in person in a scene drawn by Steve Ditko. This was the final Stan Lee-Steve Ditko collaboration in 1996. Yeah. It's not much of a scene, but it's sure a thing. It's a full-on Fantastic Four fight scene. Ditko didn't get to draw the Fantastic Four very much. He was pretty much incapable of drawing the thing on model. Mm. Uh, But he was friends with Kirby. He liked his Kirby. And he was hanging out at Marvel a bunch in around this period, the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah. Senti once told me, like, oh, yeah, Dick, Dicko used to just, like, come up to the Marvel offices and hang out. He was fun to talk to. I liked him. Which is not something I would have guessed, but... I'm... Why not? You know? Why not? I, Why not go to a place that you know, that you like, and where people like having you there? The plot proceeds exactly the same way. The Daily mm-hmm. Globe we see at the end of the issue with uh, the kiss. Phil got his wedding shots, and... In the original, in the, in the 60s one... Um, I had that um, Kirby panel of Reed and Sue kissing as um, a framed print as a child. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't signed or anything. It had The print itself had no value, but it was one of the panels out of the early Marvels that I just really loved. It had a real really? solid pop art look to it because I was also like... As, and I mean, as a kid, like 10, 11 years old, I was a big Lichtenstein fan as well. I loved that. Um, <laughs> wow. Really? No, yeah. I, I, I loved pop art and I loved that screen print look. And when I read, you know, this annual, because what little girl isn't all about weddings? Strangely, I wasn't, but I did like Fantastic Four in these annuals. And so when that came up, it was such a contrast to the rest of the book. Because if you look at the colors, they're soft and warm. Yeah, you've got that light pink background you've got some you've got the uh, goldenrod yellow for stan's notes as always um but it is extremely soft compared to most of the rest of the book and it's like when you it's it's reward for a storyline you know it's like when you go through a, a battle or whatever you want to see the treasure you want to see the gain after all of that and that one panel i think captured it really beautifully um, in spite of <laughs> the tumultuous re- relationship that Reed and Sue really, <laughs> really have, I'm gonna see that's where I've got real issues. Like especially as an adult, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, in yeah. the name for me. Like it was so funny because I'm like, I thought it was actually a joke that it was Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. I'm like, this is a play on absolute sexism. Marvel knows. <laughs> And as an adult, when I realized they they didn't, they really nope. Yeah. This is as mm-hmm. honest as it gets in terms of the misogyny. It doubles back like, oh gosh, um, I I didn't realize that it was that bad. And then even even in the more recent comics, like I just have a lot of issues with the way Reed has kind of made a lot of big decisions without Sue and talked to her like crap and overridden her and keep kept huge huge secrets from her and she just keeps laying down and taking it 
So as a kid, I'm like, oh, it's a wedding. It's great. And of course, there's going to be a big fight because there has to be because it's an annual and everyone has to get together for some reason. And I loved that Kirby panel. It was a like just a little pop art gem for me and my dad had a had a copy machine in the 90s that allowed you to like enlarge stuff so i throw the book on the copy machine and make four or five copies and enlarge it just a little bit bigger every time and then i colored it myself to match um what was on the page and framed it and that was like i guess one of my first pieces of art which accidentally ended up being a, a jack kirby plagiarism on my wall but when you're a kid you know that it's it means something to you and when you can't you don't have access to those kinds of things we didn't we couldn't just get on the internet and be like i want to print of this little thing no you had to like figure out how to make it what you want it to be um and i have that around somewhere still and it's funny to me talking about this because i did go on to be a wedding photographer for like 15 years you know so wow. it would be cool to kind of recreate that panel with somebody who, you know, looks like Reed and Sue, I guess. And I did always love her hat. I have to revisit that. I did always love that hat with a veil. It was it was a good look, and I'm just absolutely positive Roz had some say on that. <laughs> it's a real unusual looking hat. No, it's not. That's called a pillbox hat. It's been, okay, but it's got like that little dent in the middle. Yeah, that was a, that's a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very 60s. Here's a question for you in, in your wedding photographer capacity. If you were shooting this wedding with a whole bunch of very famous people in attendance, how do you go about it? Well, you have a team. Okay. I would have fan, a, a fantastic four photographers, uh, and I'd assign one to each thing. You get celebrities. I will take the couple. You get the wedding party. And the, the fourth person would probably be our uh, wartime correspondent as it would turn out to be (laughs) okay so if i could put together my dream wedding photography team for this wedding yes i would have a someone from a paparazzi publication and i'd have them do crowd control i would i would take on the couple i would have someone who's really good with people and extra people uh mutant people you know good people extra human people person do the wedding party and uh, I'd, I'd hire a good wartime correspondent for the action that would ensue <laughs> anything stick out to you in the story is uh, something that they planned especially well or especially poorly you know i don't know about the planning but i will say that the whole watcher scene cracked me up because it feels like you know the stoner stepbrother showing up who's so familiar with all these family dynamics i look at the 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 fighting and all of that stuff is like this is what happens when the families don't get along you know this kind of thing happens at most weddings you got you got people who don't like each other for whatever reason and they're carrying on before and sometimes after the vows though usually after the ceremony there's alcohol, so everyone just chills out. And by the end of the night, sometimes you have some good happy crying, some hugs, some I love you, man, you know, some reconciliation. Um, but the watcher stepping in just, to me, really felt like, you know, that stoner stepbrother who's kind of been away from the family for a long time because they're just tired of all this back and forth. And so they show up and they tell, like, the, uh, you know, a groom or whoever is like, psst, psst, come over here for a second. Step into this other room with me. Have a joint. I'm going to tell you some stuff 
about the family, but we never had this conversation. I'm not here. I didn't give you any weed. We, this didn't happen. And if anyone asks, I'm going to deny it. But here's what you need to know. <laughs> I can very much see that dynamic going down in a wedding. So when the watcher stepped in, I'm like, this guy knows some stuff. <laughs> now, the watcher also shows up in another comic that's tangential to this one. The Fantastic Four 40th Anniversary Wedding Special. Yes. <laughs> so 40 years after this, in 2006 or so, uh, there's a one-shot which involves Reed and Sue on their wedding day and then on multiple anniversaries after that stretching out into the future being invited to a special dinner at Tavern on the Green mm -hmm. which turns out to have been put together by the future Reed and Sue who have managed to like, book a date like like they've managed to reserve all of Tavern on the Green which big deal that's gonna it's a big deal. And it's expensive. Uh, and You know, they, they put it on Stark's tab. I assume that, that Reed had, has some royalties from his inventions, Yeah, too. but he's also cheap. True. That's he didn't cheap. even get a suit um, made for his buddy. I mean, fair, he had the wedding. If they're well off, they had the wedding in their apartment building. You know, he didn't even hire a tailor for Ben. I mean, yeah. so I'm sure if he reserved the tavern on the green, that is going on the Stark credit card. This, it may be the future version of Reed. Who knows? In any case, um, it is all the multiple overtime iterations of Reed and Sue who come to this party and then they all drink non-alcoholic cocktails that make them forget having been at the party. <laughs> Very clever. Uh, and then the Reed and Sue who have just gotten married go off for their honeymoon, which Reed has kept a secret of where their honeymoon is going to be. It turns out it's going to be on the moon, and the Watcher has set it up for mm -hmm. them in the blue area. Like, got a little honeymoon chateau, and the Watcher promises them, like, for the weekend that you're here, you will be the only thing that I don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I would not believe him. <laughs> well, like, the biggest voyeur in the universe right. is saying this, and... As Sue immediately points out, this means that there's a whole lot of stuff that he has been watching mm -hmm, in the past mm -hmm. and will be watching in the future. No, he's a little creeper. And yeah. I would not, I'd be, if he was like, hey, come honeymoon at my house, I promise I won't look. No. <laughs> no, that's not, I'm not, go, I'm not going for it. And if Reed had told me, he's like, no, it's cool. We're going to the watcher's house. He promises he'll be good. I'd be like, no. No, no, we're going to Hawaii, okay? And before we go to Hawaii, you get a hold of him and you borrow one of his toys that you know will shield us because you know he's got one. If he can turn time back to the where we all were and make sure we don't remember any of this stuff, he's got a toy that will shield us. So you say, hey, thanks for the offer, dude. I'm glad you got a timeshare and you were going to share it with us. But, you know, you've just got a pattern, you understand, you know, um, and I appreciate it, but Sue's not cool with it. I'd be like, you can, you can use me as a scapegoat with Watcher, you know, that's fine. But no, we're not going over to his house. Not cool with it. It's like Prince, you know, how he had audio recording equipment set up in every single room in his house so he could just randomly start singing at any time and it would be recorded. I am sure the Watcher's little dimension is set up for voyeur fantasy time oh dear god you've just 
now there's stuff in my head that is not going to get out of my head ever. I mean, if you haven't pictured him like this before, I'm sure you'll never be able to unsee it. Yeah, um, that's true. All right. <laughs> Chelsea, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. This is great. Next week, Dugan Troglin joins me to talk about Avengers number 25. Meanwhile, if you've got any questions about anything having to do with Doctor Doom, this show, or Latvian culture in general that you'd like us to answer, the, the address to email them to is faithfulretainerboris at voiceoflatveria.com. The Voice of Latveria podcast is made possible by the patronage of listeners like you. If you support us through patreon.com slash douglaswolk, you'll get access to our private book club and discussion board for Marvel Nerds, the 616 Society. You can find out more about this podcast on our website, voiceoflatveria.com, and follow us on Twitter. This is Douglas Wolk for the VOL. Douglas Wolk appears by special arrangement with Universe 1218. His book, All of the Marvels, is a guided tour of 60 years and half a million pages of the Marvel Comics story. All of the Marvels will be published by Penguin Press this October. Lord Doom commands you to order it. Zero, one, four. This is the voice of Latvia. Zero, one, four. Tomorrow, Heartbreak in Hollywood, a special profile on model Millie Collins. That was my first and last performance. I'm going back east. My first love is modeling. I realized that Hollywood, and Ron being a big movie star, turned my head. I thought I still loved him, but now I know it was the glamour, the bright lights, and excitement that took hold of me. But you can't base love on glamour and excitement. That's Heartbreak in Hollywood, tomorrow on the VOL. This concludes our broadcast day. May Doom's terrifying face inspire you to devotedly implement his policies until you die.